hear these words of our Lord according to the Gospel of John. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. On behalf of the family of Carolyn Faye Huckel, I welcome you today to the service in loving memory and celebration of her life. Thank you all for being here. I know it means so much to her family. Today we will celebrate. Obviously, we're going to cry. While we mourn her passing, we celebrate her life. We are sad she's no longer with us, yet we rejoice and we give thanks. Today we come with different feelings, memories, and pains because, well, she meant so much to so many of us. She's special, unique. Each one of us carries our own story, our own moment, our own Carolyn saying in our heart, and we bring that into this sanctuary today. As we celebrate the life of this great woman who was dearly loved, will be deeply missed. Receive these words of hope from Psalm 23 about our shepherd who is already guiding Carolyn by hand. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
Carolyn's loving this. <laughs> Carolyn Fay was the eldest of fraternal twin girls born to Glenn and Ethel Sayers Wood on July 16, 1922 in Des Moines, Iowa. Carolyn lived on the Des Moines South Side until the age of 12 when her family moved to Norwalk. She graduated from Norwalk High School with the class of 1940 and was the last living member of her class of 28. Following school, she went on to work for Meredith Publishing. During that time, she met Alan Huckel, and following his honorable discharge from the U.S. Army, they married on October 20th, 1945. They were blessed with four children, Alan Wallace, Roger, Linda, and Susie. Carolyn and her husband, Alan, raised their four kids in a tiny, lustrous, enameled steel house. The two girls shared one bedroom, the two boys took the other, leaving only the living room for the pull-out couch for her and Alan to sleep on every night. She lived there by herself until a couple years ago when some medical issues arose, ending her driving and ending her from working out at Aspen three days a week. It was then she moved to an assisted living facility here in Norwalk. In the early years, she was always active in the community and with school activities, serving on the PTA, a homeroom mother. She served with Sweet Adelines. She was a beloved member of this church, Norwalk Christian Church, where she was proudly the oldest member, beloved by all ages. She joined the church choir at age 12, sang on that choir for 83 years. As you can tell, she's well-loved by the choir. She attended every worship service on Sundays by the way of carpool, and she served as elder, deacon, Sunday school teacher, youth director. She loved her coffee fellowship on Tuesday mornings and her 30-in-1 game nights. One of her most interesting attributes for many years was instructing thousands of young women in the art of self-defense both through public speaking and visual demonstrations throughout the state of Iowa and other surrounding states. Her program was called Lady Stay Alive, and she was named an honorary member of the Iowa State Patrol for her underlying efforts and years of dedication to this cause. Even at age 97, she could still bring a grown man to his knees. One of her many article news articles featured her putting the hurt on Senator uh, Grassley before he was ever Senator. She was like the little Energizer bunny that just kept going, kept going. The main reason that kept her thriving was her 100% positive attitude. No matter how long her day was, however it was going, whatever may be troubling her, whenever someone asked how she was doing, she always responded, I'm good. She even coined an acronym for her way of life, the APE method. Attitude, portion control, and exercise. She wore it on her sweatshirt. Yes, there was a sweatshirt made just for her. And she would go around announcing it to the world. At Edencrest, every resident knew that they had another caring neighbor nearby whom they could visit with, whom really cared about them. She always kept them laughing and loved to play the piano in the foyer 
for their and her own enjoyment. The ironic thing is she only played by ear. She had no formal training for the keyboard, and, but she had this uncanny ability to create out of any subject matter on cue a poem for what was going on. She performed her most recent poem at church just three weeks ago, roasting Mayor Doug Pierce. Carolyn is survived by her four children, Alan, Rocky, and Susan Huckel of Davis, Illinois, Roger and Connie Huckel of Colorado Springs, Linda and Bill Connell of New Virginia, and Susie and Mike Reinerson of Norwalk, five grandchildren, Brian, Tom, Alyssa, Stephanie, and Jeff, eight great-grandchildren, Austin, Garrett, Rachel, Briley, Corbin, Elizabeth, Ava, and Fern, and a host of other family and friends. She's preceded in death by her parents, two sisters, Eileen Flynn and Marilyn May Bishop, and a brother, Wallace Wood. Now we'll sing Eyes on the Sparrow, number 82, which is rather fitting for Carolyn because she sung because she was happy.
Let's go to God in prayer. Creator God, who is to us life and hope, we praise you for Carolyn and the life she lived. The love, the honoriness, the laughter, and the pure zest of life she shared each day will always remain with us. Her spunk will continue to live on past the stories and memories and our own actions as we live life full. Be with us as we go through the memories today and in the days to come. Be with us as we mourn at the unexpected moments of our days. Comfort us as only you can. Remind us in each breath we take, your spirit is with us and in us and working through us and among us. Thank you for this gift of life eternal, which gives us something that can never be taken away. For in you is where we place our hope, this day and every day. We pray this in the name of Jesus as we pray that prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. If you know Carolyn, you know she loves getting even through writing poems that are rather witty and hilariously funny and usually targeted directly at Mayor Doug Pierce. So it seems only fitting that we now hear a poem written to Carolyn from Doug. Well, before I start, I want to make a little premise to this. About 15 years ago, Kathy and I were at a, a, a family workshop out at Camp Dodge. And at that workshop, we invited a professional comedian from Kansas City to come up and talk to the group. And the premise of his stick, if you will, was that life is never so difficult that you can't laugh. And just because you're laughing doesn't mean life isn't difficult. So with that premise that humor is good medicine... I wrote a letter, I mean a poem, for Carolyn, entitled, The Last Word. (laughs) Carolyn always said that she doesn't get mad, she gets even, and we know how. Usually a poem to humble the poor soul who dared to fire a shot across her bow. After a most get-even poem written for me just a couple weeks ago, Sarah, the butler sculpture from State Fair, tapped on my shoulder and said, I want a poem, so maybe I should poke the bear. (laughs) Carolyn would always get nervous when I got behind the mic, because she never knew when pointed words of degradation might be aimed at her mic strike. Why was Carolyn always in my sights? It started all years ago in Sunday school, I think. I can still see her finger pointing at me when I verbalized at her some stink. And those eyes, they were nothing short of a dagger, which meant her mind was already planning the next move to regain her swagger. (laughs) Now, I would never say she was old. However, calls for her scripture interpretation were often made. (laughs) 
Or you see, she had insider information because she attended school with Jesus since the third grade. <laughs> There's a birthday card that she first sent. It was not complimentary at all, but this card we did share. For years and years, we sent it back and forth until the card was in need of repair. It was our son Jason that branded her as Grandma Rambo because of her Lady, lady Stay Alive vocation. This moniker she did love as she made it part of her email location. She tossed and flipped many a man, resulting in many to surrender, for she had no mercy when it came to showing women they could be the dominating gender. <laughs> and at your Stay Alive events, you loved, you laughed, you hugged, you listened, and you mentored. God only knows how many young ladies' lives you were able to get recentered. So this is an end to our joust, and I get the last earthly word. I hope that doesn't make you sore, but I'm afraid you'll be eagerly waiting at the pearly gate with another poem for me to open, even up the score. <laughs> Carolyn, it's time to say goodbye. You were the best and far above the rest, but now to heaven and Alan you have gone. The Lord wanted you, so now you are his, a guardian angel he can rely upon. Your family in this church, you did so love and adore, but this I know are fact, we all loved you more. Well, hello all. I am Alan, or Rocky, mother's first son. And she wanted to make sure that old Doug didn't get out the last word in. <laughs> so he doesn't have to wait for the pearly gates to get mother's last word poem. So anyway, I had this all scripted out, what I was going to say. I didn't know that he was going to speak first. <laughs> so this is going to be like a, kind of a roast to him. And I, I was going to say something about, well, I didn't want to embarrass him in front of all these people. And then, what? Oh, what's that? <laughs> Mother's whispering in my ear. Don't worry about embarrassing Doug. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So I came prepared. I was going to say a few other things, but... One thing, I, I used to sing in the church choir when I was a teenager growing up. Then I got married and moved away in 1970, but I was a bass. And that sure brought back a lot of memories. And like that, How Great Thou Art, that was one of my favorite songs. So when you guys were singing, I was down here singing along with you. I remember the bass, and it was great. You guys sound fabulous. Anyway, it brought back a lot of memories. And uh, you're right, mother was a great parent. You know, dad had to work during the day and he slept at night. So it was up to mother to take us kids to uh, sports events. And she was like the dad during the day. And she was fun-loving. Everybody knows mother. She's fun-loving. And she taught us a lot of really good values. Uh, for instance, I think we're all good citizens of the earth. You know, and we're helpful to other people. Uh, we're very sociable and growing up, because we had such a good life, we still hang around with each other, and we have a lot of fun. Uh, mother instilled a lot of uh, interesting, competitive things with us. Even with us kids, we were competitive. I'd like to give you some examples. Uh, well, for one thing, she was a big Disney lover, and I may seem underdressed, but this is one of her favorite shirts. And now, the back, you see? Paradise. 
that's where she is now. <laughs> and I really appreciated, like last night, we were talking to a lot of people, people I didn't know, but uh, her friends at church. She really loved church. Like, this was her second family. And people were just telling me stories about how much they loved her. And she was always bringing in cookies and cakes and other kinds of goodies and sharing them with everybody. And people were just saying how much they loved her, and it really made me feel good. So that's the kind of family we grew up in. And uh, we're fun-loving, like to get together a lot. Okay, so um, just some examples. We like to have some family competitions. And um, one of them was uh, Disney. We took her to Disney World a lot. She was there several times. And we had this competition. Brother Roger always had some interesting trophies that he came up with. So he'd provide the trophy, and we had this family competition. And the last one we did, Mother was down there with us. The uh, idea was to, who could collect the most interesting or the best items that were Disney-themed, Disney-related, but you didn't have to pay anything for, so like freebies. <laughs> so you'll see out, on the, out in the other room here, the big picture board with Mother, she's rousting around in a dumpster. <laughs> and what she's looking for is something that somebody threw away that had Disney, some kind of Disney logo on it for the contest. So we were all doing that. She's the only one, I think, that did the dumpster diving. So she didn't mind getting in where it was dirty. <laughs> um, and then, uh, let's see, we had some other... Oh. Oh yeah, the dessert competition. We had a dessert competition. The idea was that you were supposed to come up with an unusual dessert and that everybody would like, but had to be unusual. And so we all got together, we baked our desserts, and uh, of course she comes up with very unusual things, and her submission was a prune pie. <laughs> Can you imagine a prune pie? <laughs> we all said, oh, a prune pie, but it actually tasted pretty good. <laughs> and she made other things like, uh, uh, Brownies made from baked beans, <laughs> like baked bean brownies. If you've never had a baked bean brownie, well, <laughs> it's not too bad. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, when she became ill, we all drove in from our various locations to be with her, and uh, she was in the bed, and we all got around, and we would, you know, kibitz about things that happened in the past, how much fun we had, and what a great upbringing we had. And she kept talking about this person at the church that uh, was kind of like her nemesis. <laughs> they liked to write poems. She was obviously a, liked to write poems. And us kids kind of inherited that because we still do that internally amongst ourselves. But <clears throat> she and Doug got into this thing. Uh, well, who, who could write the best poems? Uh, who would get the, you know, the last word in? And so she says, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to get the last word in. <laughs> and so we sat around, and ideas started flying out of the sky like rain from the clouds. And we were just writing things down and putting together our, the poems. And so uh, we came up with this poem that I would like to read. I was glad that I heard Doug's first. <laughs> so I know whether, well, is, is, am I roasting him or is mother's tame compared to his? <laughs> So I guess you'll have to wait and see. But anyway, I have the card that he was talking about. 
And so Mother's last poem is going to go in here, and it'll be presented to Doug. It's his from now on. So I guess with that, I'll just go into... The title of this is Carolyn Gets the Last Word. (laughs) Ha ha, Doug. (laughs) Okay. While Doug may think he gets the last word, I insist that mine will also be heard. I love this guy, and there is no doubt that having some fun is what it's about. The poems and stories and tall tales and such over the years have been enjoyed so much. Over all these years, it's been so much fun, but I can't let old Dougie think that he's won. (laughs) Seems like forever since our rhyming began. We went back and forth, and it got out of hand. For Doug didn't know, while I beat him in age, I wasn't the pushover he thought he'd engaged. (laughs) At almost 100, you'd think I'd be slow, but as Doug found out, there's a lot I still know. Old Dougie likes to say that I'm old as the dirt. But between you and me, he's just a young squirt. (laughs) And as a young squirt, he's a good candidate. To pass the baton, I think he'll be great. And then, Carolyn quote, I don't get mad, I just get even. (laughs) So, that is my spiel for today. And Doug, the the poem's going to go in the envelope, and it's all yours from now on. It is getting pretty beat up, as he said. (laughs) It's been passed back and forth. But now it's yours again. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Rocky. We asked Carolyn just a couple days before she died if she wanted Doug to speak at her funeral. She said yes. And then she stopped and she said no. Because <laughs> then he'd get the last word. And a plan developed. We asked her... The next day, thinking of all the poems she had read to us, and Marty said, Carolyn, have you ever written one about heaven? And she said, no. And then she stopped, pointed that finger and said, but if I did, I'd aim it at him. (laughs) Well, we have one more poem. This one from scripture, the Apostle Paul, whom Carolyn admired. It's a poem about love, God's love for us. And I can't think of any words from scripture more fitting for Carolyn Huckel. 1 Corinthians 13, the apostle writes, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, 
I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Well, we were under no illusion that Carolyn would be here forever, but we sure hoped she would. And I'm going to cry through this whole dang thing, all right? So <laughs> last Friday before she died, Marty asked Carolyn, are you ready? She immediately said, yes. She was having trouble saying some things. The words kind of there, but not coming out. But this came out easily. Then she continued saying what I've heard her say at least a hundred times before I told the Lord when he needed another tenor in his heavenly choir to call me home and I'll be ready. Carolyn was ready. That doesn't mean we were. How could we be? She had a way with us. She found us. She befriended us, endeared herself to us, grabbed a hold of us, and added us to our life, whether we wanted to or not. Someone at the funeral home remarked, well, this probably won't be a very big service, since a lot of her friends are already gone. And I laughed out loud, she made new friends last week. (laughs) When we went to visit her after she had been in the hospital, she wasn't talking about much, was kind of struggling, and then all of a sudden she just perked up and started talking about Carla, one of our newest church members, and how much she liked her and how glad she was that she was in our church. She knew your name, your kids' names, your parents' names, your pets' names. Whether she just met you or knew you your whole life, she made you feel special. Carolyn loved us all, and we knew this day would eventually come, even if we wondered aloud if she might outlive us all, but it still doesn't make it easy. Now, she certainly had her share of medical scares in her life. I remember the first time I visited her before surgery. The nurse came in and she talked all through her medical history. I heard it all. Every surgery, every replacement part. It was a little embarrassing for me. (laughs) Not Carolyn. But I soon realized you'd have to be in her surgery room to hear it all. Talk to her long enough, you'd learn all about her medical history and those names. There was Miss Piggy. Her pig heart replacement valve, Vinny, the colostomy bag, and of course her cane, Eileen Parker Hunter, because I lean on her, but then I can't remember where I park her, so I have to go hunt her. <laughs> Carolyn's also the only person I've ever met who died twice. She probably told you about that too. Before open heart surgery, she was really scared, worrying mostly about her family, if anything were to go wrong. But, after the sur- but during the surgery, she remembered looking at herself, looking down from above and seeing the medical team working on her. And then a hand being given to her and her taking it. The hand belonged to a very tall man with dark skin, dressed in white. And she said with her hand in his, they began to walk down the hallway outside the surgery room together. She wasn't in any pain. She wasn't worried about her family or anything. She was at peace, the most peaceful feeling she ever felt. And then she was literally shocked back to life. And immediately she said, I found myself on that table in pain. She was glad to have more time with her family and friends, but she said never again did she fear death. I've been there before, she told her twin Marilyn right before Marilyn died. I know what it's like and it's wonderful. 
She was prepared for death, but don't think for one minute that Carolyn did not know how to live. Every moment she lived to the fullest. If Carolyn Huckel was in the room, chances are she was the life of that room. You heard earlier about her ape plan, the ape method, attitude, portion control, exercise, her three essentials for living a long, healthy, happy life. Ape was the way she organized her life. And you know, I can't think of a better way to organize her eulogy than by the ape plan. First, A, attitude. Oh boy, (laughs) did Carolyn have attitude. In her last days, as she struggled with words, that left eyebrow could still raise up, giving us that look. Morphine could not contain the orneriness. Even the night before she died, I said something to her. I don't even remember what it was. And she immediately, I think her eyes were closed, but stuck her tongue out at me. (laughs) This attitude began at an early age. Carolyn was a twin, but she always made sure you knew she was the oldest. She proudly claimed to be our oldest church member. We all knew Marilyn was a distant second. (laughs) Carolyn told me how at every Christmas her parents would get chocolates from Meredith and hide it away in their bedroom. The kids really wanted the chocolate, but the parents' door squeaked so loudly. So they devised a plan. Carolyn would bang on that piano playing some beautiful song loudly. Marilyn would sneak upstairs, get the candy, bring it down for all the siblings to share. In high school, Carolyn was a cheerleader. Marilyn was the basketball player. They both played clarinet, and they all loved to sing. Carolyn loved music. It filled her heart. The three sisters sang in a trio, often at church and around the country, even singing for Wally in Sweetwater, Texas, when he was deployed. According to Carolyn, they always won the talent show, and they blew all their winnings, always going to town buying ice cream. When they moved to Norwalk, Carolyn joined our choir at age 12, holding together that tenor section, For 83 proud years. Carolyn said that the Wood Kids all pretty much grew up on the Raccoon River bank. They'd camp on the sandbar almost every weekend, wading into the river to go fishing for catfish and stuffing their bras with stink bait. (laughs) It took a while, Carolyn said, but they eventually got used to the smell. She loved going bowling with her family every Friday night, and every summer they would catch that train that used to be in Norwalk, ride all the way to the Iowa State Fair. And they'd hang out in the horse barns because she said that's where the good looking boys were. (laughs) They went often to their grandparents' house and their nursery, Sayers Nursery in Des Moines. They would speedily roller skate from the grandparents' house on Watrous on those paved roads all the way to the drugstore on Park Avenue where they'd order a tall cold root beer and then roller skate back. When the time was to go home from the nursery, they would ride to their grandparents' brick house on floor sitting on the fender of her grandpa's truck hanging on to the headlights. If one of her siblings were someplace in the nursery and they didn't know where they were, they'd give out a loud yell, Carolyn said, and the other would yell back. That's where Carolyn developed what she proudly called her grandma yell. That's how her kids growing up knew when it was time to come home. She'd yell and they'd come run. And there wasn't a corner of Norwalk where you couldn't hear Carolyn's yell. You may not realize this actually, but Carolyn was the first tornado siren in Norway. (laughs) From an early age, Carolyn learned how to have fun and adventure. She especially loved her adventurous trips taken later in life, camping in Arizona with Alan, her trip to Turkey where she went to the ancient biblical sites where the Apostle Paul visited. 
There were the trips to Canada with Tony and Delane, Marilyn and Warren, Grace and Wally, and many, many others. In Canada, they would stay at a Pakuni Lodge, where Carolyn was famous because she caught the largest walleye ever caught there, nine pounds. It took two people to hold it up for the picture, and they named the place where she caught it Auntie Carol Beach. She took that prize walleye home, had him stuffed, and hung him on the wall until Susie was dusting one day. It fell off the wall and broke. Carolyn told me she had to throw it away. But when they were cleaning out her house, guess what was still there? (laughs) Carolyn loved to fish, a love she passed on to her kids and grandkids and many others. Of course, we all knew, as Rocky mentioned earlier, her favorite trips were to Disney World. She loved Disney. She went when she was 83, then again when she was 90 and 93. That 90th birthday trip was the best. All her kids with her. And she was, of course, the life of the park, the most interesting character in Disney World, if you can believe it. Wearing everywhere she went this birthday hat with candles sticking out of it announcing her age. It was the perfect place for her because it displayed her attitude for life, for fun and adventure As her family wrote in her life story, she had a 100% positive attitude and always saw the good in a situation, in herself, in Alan, in her kids, and grandkids, in this church, in all of us. P, portion control. I never understood this part of the plan because until Carolyn moved to Edencrest, she was always overfeeding us. Maybe this is why we assumed she'd outlive us all, Because she fed us a lot more than she fed herself. I wonder, if you ever ate something that Carolyn baked, raise your hand. That's what I thought. And that is how she told you she loved you. Pies, cookies, pork and bean bars, and that peanut brittle. She'd bring it every year to the annual Tuesday coffee Christmas white elephant gift exchange. And it was always the most fought over item. She would time her baked items to come out of the oven at the just the right time so she can get in her car and drive to Tuesday coffee every week and they would still be served warm. Her pies were incredible. Every kind of fruit pie imaginable. We had a pie auction fundraiser several years ago here at church and I won her strawberry rhubarb pie for $100. It was worth every one of those dollars. She always had fresh cookies ready for the church kids when they came to Carol every Christmas We had to call ahead to make sure those cookies would be fresh out of the oven. It's no secret why our church kids adored her. Marty asked her a few times when she was in the hospital, Carolyn, what was your favorite thing that you baked? She never would answer. But then we were visiting with her the night before she died. Kim Ward rephrased the question and said, Carolyn, what was your favorite pie? Immediately, she said, plum. It was so good. It's hard to maintain portion control when Grandma Carolyn was baking. If you knew her twin, Marilyn, you knew that Marilyn always had a 4 p.m. cocktail hour. Well, one birthday, I think it was their 94th, we went to visit both twins separately, around 4 o'clock, maybe planned. And Carolyn (laughs) complained to us when we stopped at her house first about how Marilyn stays up too late and always drinks too many cocktails. And then we went to see Marilyn, and Marilyn complained about how Carolyn wakes up too early and spends too much money at the casino and racetrack. (laughs) She did love playing the slots and then betting on those horses. She would read up on the horses, study the best she could, and pick her favorite, betting never more than a few dollars, always controlling those portions. 
Her favorite pastime was playing board games and cards, especially cribbage. A cribbage board is sitting right up here. She loved the 30 and one church game nights, often playing dominoes. And I hear she, she can kind of deliver a mean punch if you mess up her hand when playing dominoes. She's always willing to play a game with you. And I wonder if you ever played cards, dominoes, some game with Carolyn, raise your hand. And if she ever, if you ever beat her, keep your hand up. Oh, she didn't like that. She did not like it when you beat her. We knew something was up when just a couple of weeks ago, Craig beat her in cribbage and even skunked her three times, winning a whopping $2.04. This was rare indeed. Carolyn did not like losing. But when she did, she was a fair loser, even if it was just a quarter or a dime that she owed you. And you said, don't worry about it. She always pays you every last cent. Carolyn loved to talk about her frugal home that her and Alan purchased in Norwalk. She called it the first new home in Norwalk, that tiny, lustrous enameled steel house. It arrived in pieces and assembled on their lot on Elm Street. At first, they couldn't get a home loan from the bank because, well, it wasn't a traditional stick house. There were no sticks in it at all. It was all metal. But they eventually, she said, talked the bank into it and lived there for 67 years, raising four kids, Alan later building an even tinier mother-in-law house in the backyard where his mom would live her last years and others. And I'm told even a mayor of Norwalk, not Mayor Pierce, lived there too. Carolyn called it the only hotel in Norwalk. Neighborhood kids would always come to the Huckles, and she and Alan always hosted friends and family in the front yard for the annual 4th of July parade. On their 80th year, Carolyn and Marilyn were even the grand marshals of the 4th of July parade. They could easily have afforded a bigger house, but portion control. Carolyn lived within her means and loved that tiny, unique house, always filling it with love. I never had the opportunity to meet the love of Carolyn's life, Alan, but I heard from her a lot. Our church's previous pastor, Dana, sent me the eulogy she wrote for Alan, and in it she talks of how the two of them met. It was at a Meredith Christmas party that Alan happened to notice a beautiful pair of legs walking up the stairs in front of him and decided he had to meet the beautiful woman attached to those legs. He took her home from the party, then announced to his mother, I just met the woman I'm going to marry. He soon joined the army during World War II, deployed, and wrote Carolyn a letter while deployed, asking her to marry him. Two weeks later, he got a letter back with her yes. Two weeks and two days after he returned, they were married right here in our old church building. Carolyn loved Alan, and he, her, he loved to... She loved to cook for him, and the rumor is that Alan gained 30 pounds their first month of marriage. <laughs> Perhaps that's where Carolyn first learned the benefits of portion control. In 2005, the kids arranged a 60th anniversary party for the two of them, a little early, which is three months before Alan would die. And I'm told there wasn't a dry eye in the house when he proposed to her again, this time in person. Carolyn and Alan shared a life of love, a love that poured out to their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, to neighbors and friends, everyone they met. Thank you, Carolyn, for teaching us that when it comes to sweets and drinks, purchases, gambling, and other excesses in life, portion control is a must. But when it comes to love of life and others, never hold back. E, exercise. For the first time I met Carolyn, I knew she could, at any moment, take me down. <laughs> I knew it because she told me. 
She proudly talked about her Lady Stay Alive program where she traveled Iowa, surrounding states, teaching women self-defense skills. She taught women how to take a man down with one hand. You can lead a man anywhere with a thumb, she said. It only takes seven pounds of force to break the top of a foot. Oh, and if a man is attacking you, and this is how we remember it, knee him in his safety deposit box if you have to. (laughs) There is that lovely photo published in the Des Moines Register in 1980 of her giving her demonstration at the fair and taking down that volunteer, Chuck Grassley, only a candidate for Senate at the time. I think she's the last person to ever take down Senator Chuck Grassley. (laughs) When they republished the photo in 2017, I remember her sitting right over there, holding it up during church, just gleaming. The original article speaks of the 57-year-old grandma and reads, Holy Hubert Horatio Hornblower, Carolyn Huckel of Norwalk, teaches women how to defend themselves. She was giving a demonstration Sunday afternoon on the Grand Concourse stage and, for some reason, Grassley agreed to play the part of the attacker while she played the attacky. This proves even Chuck Grassley lets his hair down sometimes, said his new secretary, Mike Kelly. I'm sure that the staff person who scheduled this appearance won't hear the end of it for a long time. I hear Grassley got pushed around quite a bit by Grandma Hugel. Once she was driving down Floor Drive, and she always listened to the police scanner, and she heard that dolls had just been robbed. Carolyn looked up, and the car in front of her was the one just described, a rag over the license plate. She picked up the radio and pronounced that she was going to follow this perpetrator. She almost got hit by him in the process, but chased him all the way to Norwalk, where he was apprehended by the police. People loved and feared Grandma Rambo. She was tough, exercising three times a week until around age 95, but we all knew where her true strength came from, her faith. This she exercised on an even more regular basis. If she wasn't in church on Sunday, you knew she was either in Colorado visiting Roger or sick, and you better call. A choir member, elder, deacon, she was once asked by Betty Williams to lead CYF, the Christian Youth Fellowship, our high school youth group. And Carolyn told her, well, I don't know enough about the Bible to do that. And Betty told her, well, good, you can learn with the kids. And that she did for six years. I think it's something the Lord wanted me to do, she told me. She also said that's where she got her gray hair. They called her Mother Superior, and they were her monsters. She took them to worship services at different churches so they could experience different traditions, once to a bat mitzvah at the synagogue. She'd often throw the kids around the room just for fun, and when a new kid would visit, the others would tell her, show her what you can do. She even proudly took them to juvenile and adult court and once locked the whole youth group inside a jail cell. She had connections with the, pe- with the police, she bragged. She could do whatever she wanted. <laughs> Carolyn gave so much to this church. She was usually the first to meet a visitor and never forgot their name. She told people everywhere about our church. She was always the church's biggest cheerleader and Marty and I's biggest cheerleader. And she said a dozen times at least while she was dying, I love you guys. On her last Sunday worshiping with us, sitting right over there, December 22nd, I was doing the children's sermon. And we were taking the kids around the sanctuary on a journey like the wise men looking for Jesus. And I stopped in front of Carolyn and asked, wait, is this Jesus? And the whole church laughed because, well, as Doug mentioned, Carolyn went to school with Jesus. (laughs) But honestly, I can't think of a better description for her than Jesus. Carolyn showed us what being Christ-like looked like. And this was no accident. 
Carolyn worked at her faith. She exercised. She wasn't perfect, but she was for us just about as good of an example as we can get of that Christ-like love described in 1 Corinthians 13. She showed us love. She showed us, taught us how to love. This church, the church is a body with many parts. The Apostle Paul writes just a chapter later. Carolyn was at the center of our church. She was the heart of this church. Her love of God, of life, and of every one of us shaped us. Visitors and new members often say, well, this is the friendliest church we've ever been to. And it's largely because of Carolyn. She was our heart. Her fingerprints are everywhere in this place. And we're going to miss her. Yeah. We were under no illusion that Carolyn would be here forever. And yet everywhere we look, there she still is. In the stories, the poems, the laughter, the love. In her church, her friends, and most certainly in her beautiful family. She was so very proud of you all. She never glowed brightly, brighter than when she was talking about you, about her kids and grandkids. Thank you for sharing her with us. Indeed, the legacy of Grandma Rambo lives on. And she told me just after Marilyn died, I don't know what's going to kill me, but it'll probably be my heart. The ironic thing is her heart was one of the last things to give out on her. Even on her last day, her heart kept beating strong. Her hands were warm with blood flow. Her heart may have been her weakest body part, but it was also her strongest. With every one of us, she added to her life, her heart was exercised with love. She lived a great life, not by accident, but on purpose. Carolyn decided long ago, this is how her life would go. And she worked at it, having that positive attitude, controlling those portions best she could, and always exercising her body, her faith, and her love. And her way, well, her way can be ours too, if we, like her, are intentional about it. She loved to talk about the eight method because it was, for her, so simple. And she told everyone about it because she wanted us all, the people she loved, to have the wonderful, full life that she had. At the hospital, Marty asked her if she had any words of advice for us. And she said, without hesitation, be true to yourself. And don't let anyone. She couldn't find the rest of her words, but we knew what she was saying. Thank you, Grandma Rambo, for being true to yourself. Thank you for never letting anyone keep you from being what you were called to be. Thank you for sharing your beautiful life with us. It was truly an honor. We love you. We'll miss you very much. So go on to the Heavenly Choir and sing your heart out. I'd like to invite Carolyn's granddaughter, Stephanie. She's going to come and share a moment and introduce a video that she made for Carolyn. After the video, the choir is going to sing for us Carolyn's favorite song in one accord, the one she insisted they sing every year when the choir season began. Stephanie. I remember um, much over the last several years, Grammy saying, well, when God is ready for another tender in his heavenly choir, he'll call me home. And then she would say, I don't think he's ready for me yet, but I think he's telling me to warm up. So <laughs> now he's home. And then as I was sitting here, I was just thinking uh, also in the final years when Grammy lived in her house on Elm, anytime you called, she would say, the gnome is home. And I think, gnome is home.
The uh, downside of being the fifth person to talk about her and her services, you've heard everything that I've written already, but uh, you're going to hear it again, and maybe you'll pick up a, a new um, memory. When my husband and I married 21 years ago, six of our grandparents were still living, and then when our daughter was born 16 years ago, she had four of her great-grandparents still living, which means that she grew up knowing and remembering and being in relationship with these people in her life. Um, it also means that our family has been through a lot of memorial services for people who are well into their 90s. And usually those services are fairly small in number, filled just with family, maybe a close number of family friends, you know. But um, the interesting thing is, is that you all are here, um, which means that she lived life in the context of relationship, and we know this about her and you all are proof of that. So here we have a funeral for somebody who is nearing 100 years old and the place is packed and that speaks to her influence um, on the community and those around her. Um, what I loved about hearing from all these people previously is that it just brought to mind that the Grammy that we knew was no different from the Carolyn that you knew. She was the same uh, to everyone. She laughed easily, unless she was losing his, at cribbage. Uh, she spread her infectious positivity to literally everyone she encountered. I know those at her church experienced her joy as she attended those weekly worship services. She sung in that church choir for 83 years. And she even baked cinnamon rolls in her 90s for the church's young moms group because she figured, well, I'm at home. I can find a way to give them a little breakfast as busy moms always thinking about how she can give to other people. Um, anytime I made the mistake of calling her on a Tuesday morning, I was quickly reminded when she didn't pick up the phone that she was at her weekly senior coffees that she never missed here at the church. Um, you've heard about how she would play the piano for those at Edencrest. She would take uh, requests for specific songs. I always thought she needed to put out a tip jar, but she never did. So, yeah. um, Those in her community here in Norwalk, everyone from first responders to neighbors, were on the receiving end of her generous spirit in the form of homemade goodies, especially that peanut brittle, and an invitation to sit at her kitchen table and share a cup of coffee. She had a small house, but a big heart. I have many happy memories of aunties and uncles crammed around Grammy and Grampy's kitchen table as laughter echoed, quite literally, off of the walls of the metal western house while my cousins and I played in the family room or the yard. Fourth of July was indeed among a favorite, a favorite holiday among our family because everyone would gather on the front lawn to watch the parade pass by. All the kids would eagerly gather candy from the various floats. Some years we would then walk up the hill to Annie Merrill's house and we'd enjoy the most fabulous spread of food, including homemade ice cream and a bocce ball tournament that included Disney-themed trophies. And what's precious to me about these memories is that I experienced them in my own childhood, and my daughter had a chance to experience them as well. See, Carolyn's children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren all shared in these events. So these memories span generations, because everyone always gathered at Grammy and Grampy's. They were the central cog in the wheel of our individual lives. Carolyn's zest for life extended, extended beyond family and neighbors. Anyone who met her at the hospital, whatever she was admitted for illness, injury, or some surgery to keep part of her working in tip-top shape, anyone who ran into her at the fitness center where she exercised three days a week until age 95, 
Um, and even the TSA agents at the airport, when she would fly out to Colorado, they were on the receiving end of her goodwill when she gave them homemade goodies as a thank you for pushing her wheelchair through the gate. Uh, anybody she met um, quickly became her friend. And your friends became her friends. And a lot of those friends became her family. Carolyn loved others well. And more importantly, she loved all without judgment. She was grateful for all and saw the good in all. But you knew not to hurt somebody she loved or to do something just plain stupid because with a mere twist of your pinky finger, you were flattened. It was just, I remember her doing it to my six-foot-four dad as a kid, and it brought me great joy. But (laughs) very fun to watch. So Carolyn Grammy loved well, and she lived life well. And whenever I called and asked what was going on in her life, she talked about all of you. She talked about her busy schedule, the people that she was spending time with, because she valued connecting with others more than she valued her to-do list. And if you sat and visited her for any length of time, her conversation would be dominated by her talking about her time spent with people. You all were on her heart, and she will forever be on each of ours. I've been saying for most of my adult life that I want to be like her when I grow up, and I still do. I hope I am like my Grammy when I grow up. Um, So the video that you're about to watch was first made about seven years ago. I had originally made it because some illness came upon Grammy, and we couldn't help but wonder if this would be her final days. Well, in classic Grammy fashion, she pulled through stronger than before. The video collected dust until about two years ago, and the same type of situation happened. Well, God loved the woman. She pulled through that time as well, meaning the video you're about to see is the third rendition um, because she was that energizer bunny. She took a licking, and she kept on ticking. And you can bet that while her body is not taking a licking and ticking anymore, she's singing her heart out in the heavenly choir, She knows the names and backgrounds of every heavenly saint she's encountered, and she has talked to God about making sure the ape plan becomes part of every angel's routine. So thank you all for being part of Carolyn's life. While her time on this earth ended at 97 and a half years, she is without doubt forever in ours.
Thank you. Norwalk Christian Church Chancel Choir, Kim K. Thank you. I know that we all cannot wait to sing in one accord with Carolyn again, gathered in the presence of our Lord. Let us close this celebration of life in prayer. O God, our strength and our redeemer, giver of life and conqueror of death, we celebrate your gift of life freely given, the love which binds us to one another and never leaves. We trust you. We love you. We know in Christ that your love is everlasting, and in this we place our our hope and our trust. We thank you for Carolyn Faye Hubel, our beloved mother, grandma, great-grandma, aunt, sister, and dear, dear friend. She was so very loved, and she will be deeply missed. We learned so much from her, and it is with confidence we now entrust her to your steadfast love and faithfulness. Through the power that raised Christ from the dead to live eternally with you, lift up your servant, Carolyn, to life fulfilled beyond our imagining. We give to you your own, for you created Carolyn, called her by name, and have now welcomed her fully into your spirit. We have faith that we will join her again along with all the saints that have gone on before us, our great cloud of witnesses. And we give you thanks now for this time of fellowship and food that we're about to share together. For the people who lovingly prepared this food, in honor of Carolyn, we give you thanks. May we enjoy each other's company as much as Carolyn enjoyed our company. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is for us our resurrection and our life and the very source of our joy and celebration. Amen. On behalf of the Hugel family, thank you for your presence here today. In a moment, the family will be dismissed first, and then you're all invited to join them right outside the sanctuary for a fellowship meal. Carolyn's interment will happen at a later date with a private family service at Norwalk Cemetery. As we close our time together, I offer you this ancient Jewish blessing as our parting words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift God's countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.